Welcome to the first season of Arise Esther, a podcast for today's Esthers, women who are ready to rise up in bold, courageous faith like Esther of old, who stepped up to lead when life was tough and hope was dim, but faith was fierce. Hi, I'm Don Scott Damon, your podcast host. I get to talk to some of the most resilient women on the planet, all who've tackled difficult life crises head on and triumphed. Now we're here to help you do the same. So turn it up, Esther. This is your moment. I have been looking so forward to this opportunity, and this interview is going to, well, it's going to set you free. If you don't know what the Bible says about women, you're going to want to stay tuned because this conversation, I think it's going to rattle a few cages in a good way. And I think it's going to empower every woman who feels a call of God on her life, but maybe you've never had the courage to step out, or maybe you did step out and you just need that support. And so I want to have you stay tuned and listen in. My guest today, well, she offers help to those that need to understand and know an unexpected God. She is a popular conference and retreat speaker. She holds an MA in biblical studies. She is the managing editor of Arise Daily, which is an online devotional with members of the AWSA, which is Advanced Writers and Speakers Association. Shout out to Linda and all the ladies there. When she's not glaring at her computer, she spends time with her grandchildren, who for the grandkids, gardening or walking her neurotic dog, which I can't wait to hear more about. But you know what? Her latest work is on women in ministry. It's called Equal. And you do not want to miss this. Would you please welcome to the Arise Esther podcast today, Julie Coleman. Hey, Julie. Hi, good morning. Hi, how are you? I'm great. Thank you. you. Thank you. Good to see you too. And I just, you are a champion. You are my hero. I am so excited about the work that you're doing and the call that you've chosen, the mantle. It's not easy that you've decided I'm going to pick up this message because there's a lot, let's be honest here, there's a lot of haters out there. There's a lot of people who don't understand the freedom that the Lord Jesus Christ gave to women. And we're going to get into that today, but just greet us, welcome us, tell us a little bit more about you. Um, what can I tell you? I was a teacher, school teacher 25, uh, for 20 years, in uh, mostly in Christian schools, and um, fifth grade was kind of my specialty. The last 13 years I taught in that. And, uh, and then when I decided that I needed to learn more if I was going to be writing and speaking because God was calling me more and more to, uh, to different opportunities. I was speaking at, you know, ladies functions. I was mm -hmm. speaking at women's retreats. And so I just felt like, and I had actually started writing, um, a little bit. Somebody told me after I gave a speech at a educators banquet thing after I'd won an award and, and she said, you know, you should be a speaker full time. And I said, well, I would love to do that. But, you know, how do you do that? <laughs> Start walking around saying, hey, I'm a speaker. But she said, well, <laughs> you need to write a book. And I said, what? And she said, yes, you, you have a thing. You need a thing. And you need to write about the thing. And I said, I don't have a thing. I have the word of God. I love to teach it. But um, I, I didn't know. So anyway, I went home. I went and uh, got out one of my retreats that I had done uh, several times. and I 
decided each of the sessions I could turn into a chapter of a book. So I kind of hesitatingly started writing, didn't even tell my husband, just kept it quiet. But after I had a couple chapters done, I told him what I was doing and, um, and he read it and he told me, this, this is good. You need to pursue this. So at that time, I was, time was, uh, contract time was coming up and, um, for the school that I was in and uh, they wanted a commitment for the following year and I didn't know what to do. And I had a conversation with someone. I ended up really considering seminary uh, graduate school for all of this um, because I really wanted to go deeper. I didn't, I didn't want to just write about fluff. And so I ended up after much prayer, my husband and I did uh, resigning from my position and, and uh, signing up for seminary. And I went to grad school for two full years, summers included, and got my um, master's in biblical studies. And from then on, Beautiful. I just started writing more and more and, and, in the meantime, I also was given the opportunity to become part of a, um, a new thing at my church. Um, our pastor was leaving and he, uh, not, not in a bad circumstance, he'd been called to a different church. And so we were trying to figure out, you know, do we hire an interim? Do we, you know, what do we do? And one of the elders said, I just really think we should do it. We, with our, we have plenty of people here with a gift of teaching. Let's just do it from within. So they formed a team of uh, four, it was four people at that point and they asked me to be on it. So now I'm preaching one fourth of the sermons at our church. So God has taken it in many ways that I didn't expect and really had no plans for, but um, you know, I just keep doing the next thing he calls me to do. And there you have it. <laughs> yeah, that's fabulous. So that from that conversation at that women's conference, that was really kind of the Lord leading you into full-time ministry, mm -hmm. the beginning of your calling. And you do feel it's a calling from God, correct? There's no question in my mind. And you know, even when I was in school and I'd start to have doubts because grad school is hard. <laughs> especially the Greek almost right. killed me. But so, you know, and, and I would think I'm not, all these young guys that were, I'm taking these classes with me, they're all so sharp and so energetic. And I was 50 and, and overweight. <laughs> and I thought, how am I ever going to, you know, keep up with all of this? But um, we ended up making great friends and I baked them cookies and they helped me with my Greek and it all turned out splendidly. So. <laughs> Well, I am very proud of you. Way to, you know, go after God, even in your 50s. And that is such an encouragement to other women. Because let's be honest, uh, I want to talk about women in ministry. I want to talk about that whole area because women typically, at least in days past, would enter the ministry in later years in life because we've not been celebrated, rarely supported took time for us to understand and to know, are we even allowed to be in the ministry? And so a woman's pathway into ministry is so very, very different from a man's. And I'm so eager to hear about what does the word of God say about women in ministry? You're writing on it right now. You've got to share these insights that you're learning. Just talk us through so, these scriptures. What happened, my first book was called Unexpected Love, and it was God's Heart Revealed Through Jesus' Conversations with Women. Because I'd grown up in a very conservative church, um, lovely people, um, they loved me to death, they, they taught me the word of God, but they, they absolutely took literally a couple of verses in the New Testament that yes. talked about women being silent, silent. Uh, women wearing head coverings. 
and uh, no leadership positions. And, you know, and so I grew up with that thinking that was what, you know, the Bible actually taught and, you know, agreeing with it, of course. And so, and, and determined to do it. But um, a, a long line of things happened um, where I just kept moving, you know, um, a forward bit by bit. And I remember um, when I realized where I had headed after all this, I, I, I wanted to find out, are we second-class citizens? And I thought, well, if I want to know what God thinks about women, I need to look at what Jesus did with women. Yes. Right? So Good I went ahead and start. I, I researched every chapter in the book is a conversation that he had with her. And I go through all the historical stuff and the, the, the literary context and all that stuff to bring in things that would help us interpret correctly. And um, by the end, I fell in love with mm. Jesus. Yeah. And, and because he was so personal, he never um, interacted with any person the same. Everything was catered exactly to their needs. He took them where they were. He brought them forward from Gentile, like the Syrophoenician woman, to Samaritan, like the woman at the well, and to all the Jewish women that he had in contact. And he just loved women. In fact, I, I, I wanted the title of the book to be crazy about women, but my publisher said they thought that might be inappropriate. <laughs> But, but to your strongly I felt. You yeah, know? and to your point, and it just brings tears to my eyes because the Lord was so affirming of women, yes. so gentle with women, not condescending. Right. They just allowed, you know, this equal playing field, if you will. Here's the God, the Son, and the Son of God, and allowing women to have a voice for the very first time in their lives. And so tell us what else you discovered. So as I went through and I did that book, I just realized that he was not really any different with women than he was with men. Right. And I thought, could it be? <laughs> he doesn't think that. And I was on Moody Radio doing an interview. Um, it's a wonderful interview. I can't remember the people that did it now, but about the book. And she asked me after the cameras went off and the, the microphones were off and she said, so so do you believe in equality for women and men in the church? And I was like, yes. <laughs> it was like the first time I'd actually went, yes. Said <laughs> it. It was not what I planned. <laughs> but um, so the more I study, the more I see. And um, especially in these past couple of years, the, the vitriol and hatred. And I know you've experienced some of that, Don. I have. Um, it's just outrageous because the kingdom of God is not about power and it's it's the last shall be first and the, yes. the, the greatest of all is the servant of all and and uh, there just is this horrible divide between men and women in part of the evangelical church not everybody but um, you know Paul talked about in Ephesians that Christ broke down the wall between those those part, those groups that had this partition, slave and master, um, uh, Jew and Gentile, Jew and, Gentile. And, and men and women. Mm -hmm. And he broke those walls down. We're to be one body, one church. And so the more I look at it, the more I think, if, if God is gifting women and, use, and we're supposed to use those gifts to edify, to build up the church, that's right. the purpose of them. Not to build ourselves up, but to build up the church. And if we're not allowing women to do what they were called to do, to do what they were gifted to do, right. then 
we are a body that's walking on one leg when we're supposed to be walking on two. Absolutely. We're, we're shutting down 50% of the army of God and saying, you're not qualified. Right. But what, what do we say? So let's hone in a little bit because in recent years, we know that John MacArthur told Beth Moore to go home. And we saw that there was an uproar and yet there was a lot of support. Other men, I, as a lead pastor of a church called tribes church, uh, I get letters. I don't know who these men are. I don't know. They even come to my church. They've sat in the back row and stared holes through me. And at wow. the end of the service, will come up and tell me that I'm out of the will of God, that I'm filled with pride. I need to submit to God's order. I get letters from men telling me, go home. You're not, I don't even know who they are. And I'm thinking, why is it so important or what am I doing that's so irritating to you? Why are you so worked up over this issue that a stranger has to write me? And I'm always going to go back to the Apostle Paul who said, I forbid to have a, that woman, a woman. I think it means that woman. There was a woman in their presence that was creating an issue. But let's talk about it. I, I forbid to let the woman speak. Or in Corinthians, women must be silent in the church. Mm -hmm. So... What do we do with those scriptures? Well, we look at them in their context. And we don't pull cherry pick verses out from here and one from here and one from here and then say, okay, now all these together mean this. You have to look at every single passage within its context because you can't put words in God's mouth. And that's the big problem with the way all of those, those passages have been interpreted for many, many years. Not always. Uh, the early church did not, um, and you know, Chrysostom didn't. I mean, there were a lot of different places. But the thing is, they're they're taking stuff out of context. I don't think it's intentional. I think that that's, you know, it's just what has always been taught. And uh, and and so, but if but my goal is in the book that I'm writing is to do a serious Bible study on each of the passages. Let's look at what it means within the context of the epistle or the gospel. Let's look at what it means in the context of the whole New Testament. And let's look at it in the context of the whole Bible. Yes. So, you know, because the Bible's one long story and everywhere in there, it's all pointing to Christ. And then, you know, of course, the New Testament is all pointing back to Christ. He is it. But, yes. you know, what did he teach? What did Paul teach? And what was he saying in those letters? So um, as far as the um, I suffer not a woman to teach verse in First uh, yeah. Timothy 2.12, um, Paul uh, is, was writing the letter to Timothy, who was working full-time ministry there um, in Ephesus, and he was writing about false teachers that were trying to invade the church. And you can find, you, it, he never names like a group, but he names the teachings. Mm -hmm. So if you read through the letter in 1 Timothy, you have to really notice what is he saying, mm -hmm. you know, and, and he talks about different aspects of the teaching that's going on but where he really hits it on the nose the first time he really hits it on the nose is first timothy 2 12 because obviously there was someone in the church mm -hmm. who was teaching and i believe it was gnosticism or at least an early form of gnosticism right. um but others have other you know we're, we're guessing here intelligent guessing <laughs> but um we're, we're still we don't know exactly what the problem was but um, from all the things that he says, it's very consistent with what the Gnostics taught. And then what he says is, after he says, you know, that, that she, she's usurping authority, that word authentane, only time it's used in the Bible, so that makes it a little hard. 
to get the full context, but we can look at extra biblical sources and find that it was a very negative word that was used for people that murdered their children, that, that, that kind of a controlling destructiveness. Um, and so if, if he was, if that person who, the woman who was teaching was taking away somebody's controlling destructiveness, uh, the church wasn't much to begin with. So it's something else that was going on there. And then, then he starts talking about, because it was Eve that was deceived and not Adam. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then he, and he talks about women being saved through childbirth. And there's one other thing. Anyway, he and names the he- three the headship. things. Pardon me? And headship. Um, I don't think it's in those. Okay. Anyway, I'm sorry. I don't have it right in front of me. That's but okay. And I haven't written that chapter yet. I'll be an expert <laughs> in a few weeks. <laughs> I'll come back in a few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, the Gnostics taught that Eve was the mother of all mankind, and she was created first. And, um, and that she was not deceived. Adam was deceived. You know, she, she actually was imparting knowledge to Adam by offering this fruit because it was from the tree of knowledge. And they had this whole crazy thing. That's what the Gnostics would do. They would take Bible stories and twist them um, and, and make them not true, but enough truth in there that people would kind of start listening. Um, but the whole time, the women be saved through childbirth, the Gnostics taught that you could not uh, have salvation if you were bearing children. And Paul says, no, no, you can be saved through childbirth, not the childbirth saving you, but while you're in process of bearing children. And so each of the things that he says following that are to contradict Gnostic teachings. So I believe that that he was talking about somebody who was teaching Gnosticism in the church. Yes. Well, that makes complete sense. Well, it Um, makes sense in the context. In the context. How the rest of the letter goes. Yes. So let let me read this for you and I and our listeners. So it's in 1 Timothy chapter Mm -hmm. 2, verses 11 through 15 that we're looking at. It says, a woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, Mm -hmm. and Adam was not the one deceived it was the woman who was Mm -hmm. deceived and became a sinner but the woman will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith love with holiness and propriety and i am reading in the niv version one thing julie i've always noticed is that before jesus came and set women free women weren't allowed to learn they weren't allowed to study they weren't allowed to read. Those things were for men, correct? And then the men, when you became a, a student, all first-year students needed to learn in quietness and submission. They, because mm-hmm. the rabbinical teachings of the time, they did these questions back and forth. That's one of the methods of their learning. And they weren't to ask these questions. They were to learn. If that be the case, a woman should learn in quietness and full submission is a totally freeing statement. A woman should learn. Yeah, well, he says, let a woman learn. Right? See? Right. Yeah. And we, and we, we they weren't. weren't. <laughs> they weren't. So understand that, yeah. too, correct? That we now, he's telling us, we get to learn. You've got to learn like all the rest of the students. Mm-hmm. You can't, now there is a woman in your midst that's teaching false teaching don't I don't permit her to do to teach anyone? Is that what I'm hearing you say? That's what I'm saying. Yep. And and that's what 
Yep. And so when we look at the scriptures and you're a Bible teacher, and by the way, I've listened to you teach and you're an excellent teacher and I really enjoyed it. Um, and when, one of the things that I heard you teaching on was you had just done your first book and you were like, and I don't know if there's a second or what, you know, and here we are today. Look at God in your life. Um, but, but here we are, you know, the, he's saying that women get to learn. They get to learn in quietness. They get to learn in submission. And they, but, but before you're released to do any teaching, you've got to know what, what you're talking about. That was very freeing for me when I found that and learned that because I too was raised in a church where I didn't know if I were allowed to be a minister or a pastor. And yet God had given me these gifts and I'm thinking, what am I supposed to do? What, how cruel would it be of God to give me gifts, but say, but you can't use them. Right. And you know, who, who decides the gifts? We don't decide what gift we get. The Holy Spirit decides what gift we get. Yes. So if he's given us an ability to communicate his word, um, you know, then we should be using it to the fullest extent we can. Yes. And, you know, the, the prophet Jeremiah said, you know, the word inside of him was like fire shut up in his bones. And if you're called to preach and you are and, and I am, you know what that fire feels like. You know, it's it's not something you ask for. It's not mm -hmm. something you decide. Maybe there are some that decide, hey, I want to teach. But when you're called of God, it's like a fire inside of you. And and there's almost a wrestle like, God, who am I? I don't want, but then you finally say, yes, Lord, I will do it. I will face the haters. I will, but, but I, but I needed to know as a woman called in ministry, I'm going to ask you this too. At first, I didn't want to be that woman with a chip on her shoulder. I didn't want to be the angry woman who was in ministry and hates all men. I didn't feel that was of God. And I don't feel, I don't hate all men. Yeah. I feel sad that some of them don't understand that the word of God releases women in ministry. But I, the first, I just said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to learn about, I'm just going to learn the word of God and theology and understand the Bible. But after I was in the ministry for a while, it was time. I had to learn what God's word said about women in ministry because now I was my public profile was increasing and I was taking a position. How would you respond to that or say to women, how do you learn what the Bible says and keep that soft heart, that pure heart? You know, that question that I'm asking you, how do you not get ticked off? Well, you know, it's, it's, I, I'm kind of laughing as, as you, I'm listening to you because you pretty much described me too. <laughs> First, when I kind of discovered the truth and started figuring it out, I was mad. I was mad because I had been misled for many years and I felt like, wow, I wasted all that time. But then I also understood that God doesn't waste a minute in our lives. And every experience he gives us, every hardship, every victory, all of those things combine to who we are today. And he's, he's molding us into the image of Christ. So I didn't want, I didn't, I thought, well, I'm not going to blame God then because he could have led me to an understanding a lot earlier in my life, but he didn't. Um, although I did have my husband telling me, you got to learn this stuff. Because <laughs> he was all for, you know, equality for women. Shout out to men who are so supportive of yes. women. Thank and you. And my husband is Mine absolutely too. one of those people. And it's Yay. a blessing to be. What's his name? Steve. Yay, Steve. Oh, Thank you, yep. Steve. <laughs> 
But anyway, um, but I, I did want to write that book after I finished the one on Jesus and women, because I just felt like I could give a good voice to it. And, and I, I knew, you know, I, I could write a, a decent, you know, expository of that part of the scripture. But um, every time I started writing it, I'd get mad again. Yeah. And so I'd put it back down. And then later on, I'd try doing it again. And then that, that nastiness would creep into my soul. And I'd say, nope, put it down. So it went that way for many years. But I was listening to uh, Mimi Haddad, who is the president of the Christians for Biblical Equality. It's an international organization. There's like 850,000 people that are in it. And um, she, she was there at a conference that I was at. And she said, she started talking about love and how love had to guide every single thing we did even as we were seeking to put truth out into the world where it hadn't been before. And, but if we didn't do it in love, we would be clanging cymbals. Yeah. And that hit me right between the eyes. And I said, I have to do it in love. Yes. So that's what I started praying for. I said, all right, Lord, I, I want to do this your way. If you're calling me to do this and I'm not sure you are yet, I'll know if you give me a contract on a book, but I'm going to do it in love. And that's, I have to do it in love. And if I start not doing it in love, I want the Holy Spirit to knock me upside the head. I want to do this your way. I want to do this like a kingdom citizen should do it. And so it very interestingly has been transforming as I've been working on all of that in the um, attitude of love. I'm not I don't want to judge anyone. Everybody's doing what they're doing because they think that's what scripture teaches. And so, you know, who am I to judge that? I mean, I don't want to be judged either. And, you know, what Jesus said about, you know, do what you would have others do to you. So I just knew that I had to do this with a servant heart. I had to do this um, with that that kind of compassion and that kind of grace um, because I've been given grace when I didn't deserve. And so I, I knew that I, I just needed to be that way if I was going to do it God's way. And so, yeah, I do dread all the haters. I know I'll probably end up with getting letters just like you. Yeah. You, I'll send you, them to you when I get them. <laughs> but they make you know, a I know. great fire starter. <laughs> it is. And I hate controversy. I want everyone to like me. I'm one of those people. Yeah. But um, it just, it's just, it is what it is. And, you know, God called me to it, but he called me to do it in his way. And so I'm learning so much on that. Um, my gospels chapter, uh, yeah, Jesus and women in the gospels. Of course, I wrote a book on that. So, yes. you know, how, and I'm thinking, what am I going to do with that after I've already written this whole book? But what he led me to was what Jesus taught on the kingdom. And as I learned what he taught in the kingdom, absolutely women could not be uh, put down or ignored because that's not kingdom teaching. That's right. Yeah. So it just, and then Paul, you know, he, he did this whole thing on the spiritual gifts in in first Corinthians 12, but in 13, he says, but this is the better way. Love, love, Mm -hmm. the most excellent. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so it's just, it's just so inspiring. Um, And and it's really been very transforming for me to write the book 
uh, not what I expected. <laughs> yes. Well, you know what? Don't you find that too with writing messages and preaching at church? And I'm also an author and, and uh, preaching messages. And it's like, it seems like the word of God, you know, it's alive and active, of course. And so it seems like, okay, I'm the first patient that this scalpel is going to slice open and do some yes. work on. Yes. God's working on me while I'm doing it. But that's the preparation that we can stand behind that pulpit with, with a pure heart and not be angry about it. And I'm really encouraged by what you're saying. You, Joyce Meyer has a saying she called, or in a book now too called Do It Afraid. You're saying do it in love yeah. because so many times I think women don't do it because they don't think that, that you know, that they can do it the right way. Um, what I'm referring to is we get shamed into silence. We get pushed back into our corner. We're told that we're uprising or that who are we to elevate ourselves. And, you know, the reality is, is that when God calls us, we have a mandate to steward the gift and, he, and to be obedient. So do it, but do it in love. Do it in, in wisdom, you know, educate yourself. And like you said, in context, people, as you're reading these scriptures, understand that there are some scriptures that are universal. They're for all people in all times, in all cultures. And then there are some, and, and, mo and a lot in these letters where we have to understand that they're contextual right. and they're for a culture and for a time. And mm -hmm. so um, I'm excited. I'm encouraged by the things that you're saying. So our time is slipping away, but let's talk about um, you, the name of this book and when it's going to be coming out. Cause it feels like it's a one, two punch unexpected love are stories about women in the Bible and how Jesus loved them. Mm -hmm. That might be a good start. And then whew, coming in with equal. Yes. Yeah, well, that's about... the progression that God took me through. So, yeah, it'll definitely work, right? So, yes. When when can we expect equal? It's not out yet, is it? No. Um, okay. I'm actually still writing it. It's due in December. Um, okay. The manuscript is due in December, and then there'll be a long editing, marketing, blah blah. Yeah. So next fall, it's, it's scheduled to come out either in uh, December 2021 or January 2022. Okay. I'm hoping December. Okay. So, but in the meantime, um, we have this podcast and you're still speaking and taking speaking okay. engagements. Mm -hmm. So if we want to delve into this a little bit more and maybe you and I can have a part one, part two, but as, as we close down, Julie, what would you say to women who are listening to this? Well, two things, what would you say to men who might have stumbled onto this and they've got all their arguments ready um, or, and what would you say to women and, and take a, uh, take a moment, go ahead and address that. Okay. So I guess I would say the same thing to men and women in, in that. Okay. Um, the problem is, is when we uh, attempt to go in and understand scripture with a preconceived notion, we're going to read things in that aren't there. And so we have to be really careful about that. So when I approach a passage of scripture, and I believe this is the right thing to do, I ask the Holy Spirit, clear my brain. Um, I had to do that when I was writing Martha and Mary was, you know, one of those passages where everybody knows about Martha and Mary. And I was like, I'm like, what? But, but Martha's always being put down for being in the kitchen. And Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet. She was the good one. So anyway, I started praying. I said, Lord, just let me just not even think about anything that's been taught to me before. Start me fresh. Yes. Let me see what's there in black and white. Let me not read anything into it. Let me just observe. Observation is the first of three 
stages in learning about scripture. And it's, it's very, very important. People often just kind of read over and go, okay, I know what it says. Now let's start, let's start interpreting. Um, it's not observation. It takes me a week to observe on a passage mm -hmm. and I'll just keep every day going back to it, looking at it again, praying over it. And things start to jump out at me when I spent a long enough time into it. So don't start, don't start gathering verses together to make your point. I used to joke in seminary. I used to say, I love it when scripture backs me up. <laughs> I was joking. <laughs> you know, so the, the whole thing is just let the Holy Spirit show you. Get rid of your preconceived notions and look at what's there. And that's really what I'm asking people to do with this new book. Just give it another look. Yes. Look at what God actually says. Mm -hmm. Not what somebody says it means or what somebody's inferring. What's there in black and white? Yes. And when we do that, we're going to have a better chance of, of not, you know, trying to prove something. So that's what I would say to men. Take another look. And women, too, because we all need to do that. Mm -hmm. We do. Um, and then for women, I guess what I would say is don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, I know so many women that have either a left the church because of the way women are treated. You've seen all the church to movement things going on or B abandoning God altogether and say, if this is God, I don't want anything to do with him. But the point is it isn't God. It's been misinterpreted for you. Mm -hmm. Go back and look again mm -hmm. because God is absolutely for women and, um, and he's absolutely for men. He's absolutely for all of us. Yes. And he's broken down those walls and he's made us one in Christ. And, and so we need to, to rise up to that and to obey it because that's the principle of the New Testament. Yes. Amen. I'm so thrilled that you've been on Arise Esther today. I can't wait to really to have part two. Friends, remember that, you know, God says his word in Galatians that there is now no, no male or female. There's no male or female spirit. And so the word of God is alive and active. And like you said, Julie, that it is the kingdom of God. And so I encourage all of our listeners today to do that very thing. Stop and take another look. Again, remove our bias. And you know what? By the way, if ever there was a time in our world where we needed to remove our bias, it is right now because God says, I'm shaking everything that can be shaken. And so good time to say, Holy Spirit, fill my mind, lead me, guide me, show me, not in the bias of, of a gender oppression or racial oppression or whatever. Show me truth, God. I'm so, so John, glad. Can I, yeah. can I just put in um, yes. on my website, which is either juliecoleman.org or unexpectedgod.com, uh, bring, brings you to the same place. Yeah. There's free resources. And one of them is a sheet in, that gives you good observation tools, as I was talking mm. about, mm -hmm. ways to really dig into a passage. And that's just a free download. So please come and help yourself to that. <laughs> That's great. And um, we can also put those links right in our show notes today. So if you're listening to this, go ahead and scroll down, everybody. Julie Coleman, tell us that website one more time. It's either juliecoleman.org or unexpectedgod.com. Unexpectedgod.com. And this has been an amazing time with you. 
And thank you for doing it and keep us posted on when Equal is going to be released. Maybe there's going to be some sneak previews. Oh, and <laughs> um, okay, good. We can't wait to be a part of that. Once again, this has been Arise Esther with my guest, Julie Coleman. And hey, every lady out there listening, every woman of God, I have a question for you. Modern day Esther, is this your moment to arise? I hope you enjoyed the show today. If you found value, make sure that you visit ariseester.captivate.fm. Like us, love us, and review us. And hey, want to join the movement? Visit us on thearisemovement.com to get connected. And for more information about me, your freedom coach and host, visit freedomgirlsisterhood.com. And while you're there, take the 60-Day Freedom Challenge. You'll be so glad you did. Until we meet again, keep rising. This is your moment.